And welcome on in, everybody, to the Check Your Brain podcast. My name is Tony Mazur. Nice Polish name, Tony Mazur, here on Holy Week. Thank you for listening or watching. I do have a video element if you want to go check it out. I am uh, The video is on Rumble. You can find me there. But also, I am behind a paywall with this video on Locals. So go check out my Locals feed at Check Your Brain. Just look me up. Look up my name or at Check Your Brain on Locals. Or go to Patreon.com slash Tony Mazur, T-O-N-Y-M-A-Z-U-R, and you get upwards of four to five podcasts per week. So it's just five bucks a month to subscribe to my podcast. And yeah, you get all this stuff. It's really, really good. Hope you like it. And again, if you're not really into political stuff and you like sports stuff, I talk sports and I have guests. You get early access to guests. It's a good time. It's a good time. You get about 20 to 25 podcasts per month, per month. Some people do one podcast a week and they charge you 10 bucks. Or if, you, if you're a girl who has OnlyFans and you take suggestive photos and you go, yeah, no, uh, pay me nine bucks a month. And then I'll uh, maybe for extra tips. No, I'm not asking for tips. Just come on out and check out my podcast here at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer and find me on Locals, which is where Scott Adams is putting Dilbert cartoons now since he's basically been canceled from everything. And also, but I'm putting this podcast out for free, so it's on Rumble right now. I don't know about YouTube. We'll see how the rest of this podcast goes. I don't want YouTube strikes. Not that I'm afraid of it, but I kind of want to keep my channel as I'm starting to grow this podcast here a little bit. So thank you for checking it out. And if you're watching on the video, yeah, that's my cat, Eddie, behind me. So I did one uh, a podcast about um, my cat, Woody, if you want to go check it out on YouTube. And uh, yeah, when he ended up passing, we ended up adopting a new cat who kind of kind of looks like Woody, my old cat. And this is Eddie, who's behind me right now. I am broadcasting this outside because it is currently I'm putting this out on Wednesday, but it's uh, Tuesday, April 4th. And it's a really nice day. And we really do not get these kind of days in Ohio. I broadcast live uh, somewhere outside of Akron, Cleveland, Ohio, Northeast Ohio. And we don't get these days in April, so I may as well take advantage, even though there's no leaves on the trees uh, behind me there. So welcome. If you are a straggler, if you're somebody who's new to the podcast, I've uh, I, I got plenty of these. Uh, some of them I do guests. So actually, most of my free Wednesday podcast have guests. But this week, I figured I'll give you a little bit of a taste of what I talk about on my Behind a Paywall podcast. And no... There's no N-words, there's no, and I'm actually try, going to try not to curse in this podcast, although there, the content of it is going to make me really want to figuratively, not literally, but figuratively strangle somebody in today's show. So I thank you for checking it out, and you can follow me on social media wherever you were getting this, and MLC listeners and others who've uh, been on podcasts on Gas Digital or Compound Media, or if you're just stumbling upon it because you enjoy this kind of content and you want a little bit of a Kick in the, you know what, kick in the pants. So I wanted to talk about something that has slipped the news cycle for a while. It was briefly brought up. And I'm going to allude to it first because I want to talk about my weekend. And I know, again, this is I'm recording this on Tuesday and it's going out on Wednesday. So nobody really cares about last weekend. You're get, kind of getting ready for next week and this upcoming weekend. Holy week here. But uh, what are you doing for Easter or if you're in Buffalo or Cleveland, Ohio, you got Dingus Day and others. But I'm going to talk a little bit about last weekend, just briefly. And as I said, this is a video podcast, too, but I'll explain it. I'll do what I can. I've had a longtime radio background. I'm able to 
bring up the photos and the videos and explain to the way where you don't really have to be watching. But if you want to watch, you can too. So over the weekend, I went over to Monroeville, Pennsylvania. The Monroe, are you a Monroever? And they have a Comic-Con that's there. And I like going to, the, look, there's a lot of weirdos that go to Comic-Cons, but there's some charm to it. You get a chance to talk to people that you really admire. Uh, here's a picture of me, if you're watching on the video, of myself with George Went, Norm from Cheers. Or as I said, one of my favorite Columbo episodes, right? And the caption I had is, I asked George Went why Cheers had to be set in a bar. Why not a rec room or a community center? People do meet in places besides a bar. Seinfeld reference. Lot, all of my things are Seinfeld. In fact, I that, that scene when George Costanza is with George Went and Corbin Burnson backstage at The Tonight Show. And in the past couple of years, I've now met every single person who's been in that scene, including George Costanza, Jason Alexander. So there I am with George Went. Uh, had the, as I said on social media, he had the personality of a Dairy Queen napkin. Really, I've heard him on interviews and they are bad, bad, bad. But it, I guess nice enough, but I mean, it may as well have been a, a blow up, a blow up sex doll that I was standing next to. Uh, and then here I am with Ethan, Ethan Suppley, actor Ethan Suppley, who lost a lot of weight. And uh, he's doing a podcast, hopefully might be a future guest on this podcast that you're listening to right now, the Check Your Brain podcast. But really nice guy. I talked to him for like 15 minutes about diets and uh, his preferred weight and what he's doing to try to keep it off and testosterone and him having low testosterone, but him being a former addict, a drug addict or an alcoholic, what he has to do to try to maintain himself. So it's really cool. So uh, hopefully in the near future, we'll be talking to Ethan Suppley here on this podcast. Because why am I bringing this up? So I'm over here in the state of Ohio. I went over to Pennsylvania. My wife's family's all from that Monroeville area. Monroeville, Pittsburgh, all Plum and Penn Hills and all that that area, McKeesport. And uh, but I, I didn't get a chance to visit them. I was doing a quick visit and I had a couple other things I wanted to do. Went to a you had a good workout, especially after talking to Ethan Supley there. And when you're in Ohio, going to Pennsylvania, you can go to Pennsylvania, cross over the border. But there is a little bit of a panhandle of West Virginia. So I crossed over, went to West Virginia, into Ohio, stopped at a Bennigan's. And you know me on this podcast, I like talking about nostalgia. And I did go to a Bennigan's. There's 12 left in the United States. And it's no better than Applebee's. So I, if you're a Bennigan's executive that's listening to this right now, you got some work to do. Because if you want fewer than a dozen locations left, there needs to be a little bit more of a change to your menu because the food was very mediocre. But I figured I'm in Steubenville, Ohio, the home of Dean Martin. And I'm not too far away from East Palestine. It's about maybe I think like 40 minutes away. And it was kind of on my way back over to where I currently living outside of Cleveland and Akron, Ohio. So I thought, look, I'm not in that area very often. Why not give it a shot? Figure I'm taking some back roads. There's no major highway that goes there. There's uh, U.S. Route 30, I believe, that kind of goes through that area. And there's Ohio Route 7 and 11. Did not see 7-Elevens there, but I did see those state routes. There wasn't a lot there's no reason to be in that area of the country unless you have a purpose to be there. Not a lot of people are crossing through. If you're going across the country and you're taking, say you're going from 
New Jersey to San Francisco, you take I-80. And I-80 goes somewhat near there. Or if you're taking uh, I-76, that takes you from Philadelphia to Ohio. And I guess there's like a little portion in the Western states as well. But there's no real reason to be anywhere between the highways in Youngstown, Ohio, all the way down to, God help you, probably Morgantown or Wheeling or somewhere in West Virginia, Charleston, probably. There's no major route that's there. So I figured if I'm going to have a purpose, I may as well go check out East Palestine. It's been in the news. I've heard of the town. In fact, I think I've been there for an event when I did work in radio promotions back in the day. So I figured I'd go check it out. So East Palestine, if you folks remember, is a town that is uh, really on the eastern portion of Ohio and on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania. If you're watching on the video, I'm pulling it up right now. There's East Palestine, nice quaint little town, the site of the train derailment that occurred in early February. Well, now it's early April, and it's weird because that story has completely left the news cycle. I mean, look at these photos. If you're, again, on the video right now, I'm showing the photos that we all saw in the major media of the black cloud, the absolute smoke that enveloped and engulfed the town. And it's not a big town. We're not talking about Youngstown, Ohio. We're not talking about Pittsburgh, not even Wheeling or Weirton, West Virginia. You're talking about a small little town. And it made major news in early to mid-February for many reasons. So I actually happened to go through there. So there's the welcome sign. East Palestine welcomes you, our schools, churches, businesses, library, and park. The place to be, which kind of sounds like Damone from Fast Times. That's the place to be. And yeah, I went through that little town. I kind of showed in the wikipedia image there but i mean this is the town this is downtown east palestine it is one or it's like maybe two state routes there's a circle k gas station there's a marathon there's a pizza hut with a wing street there's a bunch of small little businesses in this downtown area 25 miles an hour going through there there's the another welcoming sign that's on the southern end and of course, the McDonald's that uh, I'll get to that Donald Trump ended up going to. And it's a quaint little town. And this is what made the story so massive, in my opinion, because East Palestine, Ohio, there's probably a couple of hundred, maybe a thousand in the state of Ohio of towns exactly like East Palestine. Uh, there's a town in western Ohio called Delphus. Reminded me exactly of it. Train track, couple of businesses, couple of chain restaurants or a chain, a gas station or two. And that's about it. And wherever you're listening to this or watching this in your state, there are East Palestines all across the country. And that's what made this story fascinating, because it's about an hour or so from me where I'm broadcasting this right now. But again, there's no major freeway that goes through there. There is a train track, a Norfolk Southern Railroad that goes through there. But outside of that, it's not a major go route. It's not a crossroads. It's not like you're looking at, um, for example, I'm going to use another Ohio uh, example. You have I-80 and I-90 intersect for a little while. 
in Ohio and Indiana up until you get to towards Chicago. Up there after me, the helicopters behind me. Uh, and it crosses with I-75, which takes you from the all the way up in the Upper Peninsula in Michigan down towards Miami. So these are major routes, and it's also major for heroin and drug trafficking and human trafficking as well. East Palestine doesn't have that. And there's a lot of towns that are like that are kind of landlocked and just very difficult to get to. And again, if you don't have a reason to go there, if you don't have family or you don't have some type of business, you would never know this town exists. And it's just like that for hundreds, if not thousands of towns in your state. So there's tens of thousands of East Palestinians across the country, which is why the story was so relatable. So what happened, of course? We knew that there was a train derailment that occurred in East Palestine, and uh, there were chemicals that were exploding, and this, of course, the dark cloud that was hovering that you could see over the city. And people were wondering when media was going to bring this up. Now, I, I want to make this clear right now. I thought local media in Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania did a great job covering this. They were on the scene within a day. I mean, you're talking about a little over a month ago now. I think it was a month ago yesterday or two days ago that that occurred. It was a Friday in early February. You weren't hearing about this until almost a week after. Local media did a good job. They were on the scene. National media couldn't care less. Politicians couldn't care less. And there's a reason for it, which I will get to here. And it was really sad that you were seeing a town where people are afraid of breathing the air, drinking the water, bathing in the water, doing anything, like just regular household things that we take for granted of, would I wash my clothes? Are my clothes going to, at best case scenario, shrink? At worst, my clothes are just completely destroyed and there's holes in them, which means we can't bathe in this. We can't drink from this water. We either need well water, we need bottled water, but when we'll, and then also the other thing is, if this is going on, you're going to the small streams and creeks that are going through East Palestine, and you see a little bit of a shine in the water. It looks very rainbowish, or you're seeing white clouds float on top. I mean, it looks like a top of a cappuccino. And people wanted to know some answers. And they weren't getting the answers in a prompt enough order. So you'd say, well, prompt enough. Well, a week? What are you going to do? I mean, how much bottled water are you going to save? I mean, are, are we doomsday preppers? Even the most prepared people who have bottled water, it's going to run out, you would think, at some point. And also at the same time, if you even if you have a surplus, you're going to want to help other people. East Palestine is a small, tight-knit community that has churches, as you saw in the sign, or as I read on the sign. There's churches. There are small businesses. People try to help each other. and But there's just so much you can do as a people to help everybody else out. There's just so much you can all get together. And and uh, you need a little bit of assistance. And it's not, there's a difference when we talk about assistance. Are you talking about welfare recipients who are on welfare and a, a part of the welfare state that is passed down for generations? I mean, there are lots of people in this country across racial and ethnic demographics who are three to even four generation welfare recipients. 
why not get a job? Why not look to leave your community and do something with your life and a career? I have no problem if somebody goes on unemployment. I have no problem if you need some kind of benefit just to get you over the hump. Well, that's what this community needed. They don't really need anything else, but they needed a little bit to get over the hump. And politicians, for the most part, especially at the beginning, were like, East what? Palestine? Steen? Is it, is it, uh, is it Harvey Weinstein or Harvey Weinstein? Like, what, what is this? Is this, eh, whatever. Well, the media, and I think the images, and that's what was so fascinating, the black cloud over that town is the image that's burned into people's heads. And I, this is why I think it's one of the biggest stories of the year. So on this podcast, when we get to that time between Christmas and New Year's, I usually do a year in review of what are some of the biggest stories. And of course, 2022 had some massive, massive stories from the Canadian trucker protests to the falling of the COVID mandates and the, the vaccine mandates and everything. And a lot of the COVID policy kind of went down in 2022. Uh, the Dobbs decision, the reversal of that by with the leak in early May and then by the end of June that it was struck down. And just and then of course, the elections and everything that had popped up there. You talk about some of the biggest stories of the year. This one, the rail disaster in East Palestine that happened very early on in 2023 should be by the time we get to December should still be on the minds of everybody. But they're not. And they're not now, because as I record this podcast, the entire media once again couldn't care less about East Palestine, couldn't care less about Ohio or small town America. They're all right down the street from their corporate offices in Manhattan, focusing on Donald Trump being indicted and him turning himself in and, you know, the pro Trump people and the anti Trump people and everything. And the fallout, uh, of course, MSNBC and CNN are very giddy about it. And I'm not saying that you can't focus on other topics. And this this whole podcast I'm talking about is kind of just keep your eye on the ball. Understand what is going on. Understand the manipulation and the propaganda that are being put forth in our mass media and our mass media consumption is that you got to kind of keep your eye on the ball while also understanding that like you can do two things at once. You can think about two things at once. You can't just be told what to think one week and then by the next week after meet the press and after the, the Sunday shows, the this week or whatever, uh, uh, what's the CBS one? The, uh, the one with uh, Margaret Brennan, I believe, is uh, Face the Nation. So once those are done, we're focused on new topics that start up through the week. So this week, East Palestine is not in the minds of anybody else except for the people who live in this town and me. And I want to kind of just reset what's been going on because there is some news that came out of it that you're not going to hear. Just like this Chinese spy balloon. Remember that when Joe Biden and the media all said that there was no problem, that ah, they're just, it's like, a, it's like a balloon you get from Party City. It's like there's nothing. Well, it came out two months later this week that, Oh, yeah, no, they were doing figure eights and they were kind of going over army bases and military bases and gathering some information and sending it back to Beijing. But we were told at the time, see, that's what happens in our news cycle is that the main story gets the clicks and the retraction or the update gets very few. So you get a big story that says Jesse Smollett is 
lynched and hanged and this and this and this. And it gets tens of thousands of likes and retweets. And then the correction that says, hey, Jesse faked the whole thing. It gets five retweets and 20 likes. And that's a big problem in our media right now. It's a big problem that's happening. But we move on to other topics. I mean, what, nine days ago, there was a shooting in Nashville by a woman who then identified as a male with he, him pronouns, went into a school in Nashville, Tennessee, and shot it up. Shot three, shot and killed three kids and three adults. And of course, the whole week turned into trans day of visibility or trans day of vengeance and everything. And there were more glowing pieces about the shooter than there were about the families. So it's all about understanding propaganda, understanding why we move on to certain topics or not. The thing is, for me, is I did not move on from East Palestine. It's been on my mind, and mainly because it's not on the minds of anyone else. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. So let's reset. Remember, in uh, towards the end of, what was it, maybe like mid to late uh, February, is you're wondering when the politicians and when somebody was going to come out there. To, to say something, to address it. Are they going to go drink the water? Are they going to say, and then you'd have some EPA officials and other government officials that came on by to East Palestine and said, that's okay. Now you go back there. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand why you would be concerned, but go back there, drink the water. In fact, uh, you know, put it in your beer, beer pong cups and have a good time. Go on a table like this and start playing beer pong or, Hey, you, uh, you know, yeah, go ahead and drink it, gargle it, do whatever you want, drink, have a good time. And the people are like, I don't, I don't believe you. I don't believe anything that you've put out there in the last couple of years. Uh, why should we believe you now? So J.D. Vance, who is the newly elected senator in Ohio, stepped up and actually went out there and did something about it. And then you had President Donald Trump, who, again, the day he's being indicted right now, ended up going to East Palestine. He spoke, and of course, he went to a McDonald's. We have a good cameraman over here. So everybody, so yeah, Trump is there in at the McDonald's. He's buying food for the first responders and the people. And uh, of course, he's being his typical Trump. Like, I know everything about this menu. It's okay. I know this menu better than the employees because, again, it's it's Donald Trump. It's a it's a show. And they say is it political. Of course, it's political. But it was a good political move for Donald Trump to do this. It was a bad political move for the Democrats. Now, here's the problem. This should not be political. I'm going to get to the politics here in a second. This is not a community with infinite resources. Uh, speaking with the mayor, uh, hearing about uh, what he has been through and uh, remembering uh, the experience of being a mayor. Uh, I am really impressed with how they've been able to support one another. And they're not here for the politics. Uh, they're here to make sure this community can move forward. What's your assessment of the cleanup effort thus far and also Norfolk Southern's role in it? So you can see how hard people are working to clean up this site. Uh, and again, I met with some of the folks involved in that on everything from the testing to the remediation. And uh, they are doing good work. They need to be supported. Uh, if at any moment we see any evidence uh, that Norfolk Southern is backsliding on their commitments uh, or that anybody is not doing this by the book and then some, uh, 
uh, we're going to be there with any authorities that we have on the matter and this whole administration, because this is too important to let people down. Okay, so I, I want to stop it there. Uh, could Pete Buttigieg look any more awkward in a hard hat and high vis vest? <laughs> he's he's there because he's the transportation secretary. Now, as we've kind of put together, Pete Buttigieg, who is the transportation secretary of the United States during in the Obama or wow, Freudian slip, the Biden administration, has been largely feckless. He's been a feckless transportation secretary. And I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to curse. I'm not going to disparage him too much. Well, I sh he should be disparaged, but I'm not going to name call. But it, he is a feckless transportation secretary because we've had disasters that have popped up under his watch. And at some point, somebody has to step up and say something and do something. And the fact that we had in 2021, we had supply chains because the supply chain issues and trucker protests and everything that were going on during his administration, you had barges out in the Pacific Ocean that were looking to dock and they couldn't do anything. And there was all these gridlocks and blockades that were happening. And you're like, well, where's our transportation secretary? Shouldn't he be the one to say something about this? Then we find out he's away for two and a half months on paternity leave because he and his husband, Chastin, decided to adopt a baby. And for whatever reason, I don't understand why he was on paternity leave. Or I, I can see him if he wanted to take a day or a couple of days or even a week off. But when we have huge issues in this country and neither of you actually gave birth to the to the kids that you picked up, that you essentially bought, uh, you should probably go back to work. You didn't give birth. You didn't go through the pain of childbirth. I would understand that if you had a maternity or even paternity leave. You didn't give birth to these kids. Go back to work. I'm sorry, does that sound heartless? But he ended up getting that job because he's gay. It's an affirmative action hire. They Is it because Pete Buttigieg was a great mayor in South Bend, Indiana? No. Uh, the potholes. Uh, you want to talk about a transport transportation secretary used to be a fairly small town mayor? Yeah, it's not. He didn't do a good job in South Bend, but he was gay. So we have to put him on because we are a, a society and an administration that's obsessed with ESG and DEI and all this other nonsense that's been popping up in academia. The other thing is, oh, well, then you had airline issues. You've had uh, anything from the vaccine mandate and uh, some of these older pilots who are having some major health issues and are kind of tracing it back towards uh, certain certain medical procedures that have popped up in the last couple of years. I'm just going to be really nice about that uh, to real problems when it's come to the airlines where you would have entire uh, airlines being grounded at full airports and he's essentially nowhere to be seen. So now you have a rail disaster that happens in eastern Ohio that's in the middle of nowhere. Pete Buttigieg, even though he was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, couldn't care less about a town in the middle of nowhere. Neither could media members, national media, I should say, some local, but national media members couldn't find East Palestine on a map. And I, I wouldn't expect them to. I, it's a small enough town. I'm not saying they have to know the geographic location of every town. But one of the big things that popped up with this situation is that it became political when it should not have. Pete Buttigieg, who is a Democrat, 
who is a, an elitist who enjoys his time living on the coast and in the beltway, and the media members who are largely from New York, Washington, D.C., some commute from Philly, and some have gone East Coast people all the way to the West Coast, and they don't really care about Ohio. They don't care about Iowa. They only care about Iowa when it's time for a caucus to occur in every four years. They, basically, the only time Iowa anybody cares about is, well, or, or in the NCAA women's tournament and the can't see me, I, I don't care, whatever. But no one really cares about Iowa. They don't care about Kansas. They don't care about middle America. Uh, I showed a graphic on that CNN show that has Don Lemon in the morning and they showed in the background. And it's fascinating because I think that's how the elites on the coast want to see America is America to them is Manhattan and Brooklyn, Williamsburg and, you know, all that. Uh, it's Washington, D.C. So you have the White House, you have the Pentagon, you have Washington Monument and you have the Liberty Bell that's there. And then you go over to Chicago, you have the Willis Tower and then San Francisco with Lombard Street and the Hollywood sign in L.A. And that's about it. Because though that's the only places these elites really care about. I bring up the example of somebody who's flying coast to coast. You're going to LaGuardia, from LaGuardia or JFK out to LAX. And when the pilot says, all right, passengers, we have reached our cruising altitude. We're at uh, 37,000 feet above Pennsylvania right now. I have uh, taken off the fasten seatbelt sign. We'll be landing at Los Angeles International Airport in about five hours. Uh, so enjoy your flight, this nonstop flight here on Delta, and enjoy yourselves. And the elites that are probably in first class, they've maybe got a cocktail and they're reading their iPad, and they kind of look out the window and all you see are brown and black circles and squares. It's just farmland. And they just go, ah, people live there. Can you believe that? Put the shade down, maybe take a nap. And the next thing you know, a couple hours later, you're landing and it's bright sunshine and the smog of Los Angeles that you really got to just avoid the entire country. And that's kind of how the elites, these unimpressive elites look at you and they look at us and they look at East Palestine. And that's why I felt the need to go there. And honestly, that's why Trump went there, because, yes, it is politics, but it is good politics. And I think one of the reasons that a lot of people were very upset about it is it became political when it shouldn't have. This should be, it doesn't matter who in the town, who you voted for, who, what you supported. I don't care if the mayor's a Democrat or Republican, an independent, a communist, a proud boy, whatever the case is, it, whatever's good for the town. But it seemed very political from the beginning. Well, what it came out was Columbiana County, which is on the eastern end of Ohio, which houses East Palestine. It's right essentially on the Ohio River, uh, the, the county, all the way down to East Liverpool, which is right on the river onto the very tip of the panhandle into West Virginia. And you're in West Virginia for about three. I'm not kidding. Three minutes. It's like three or four minutes. And then you're in Pennsylvania heading towards Pittsburgh. It's a it's an area that a lot of people are going to avoid and they really couldn't couldn't care less about it. And then when you throw in the politics where you see the demographics and they said that somewhere between 70 and 75 percent in 2020 voted for Donald Trump and only about 45 percent of the residents in Columbiana County were fully vaccinated. 
So if you are part of the Biden administration, you say, well, they didn't abide by our draconian vaccine mandate and they didn't vote for me. So screw them. Why should I care about a town that doesn't care about me? So has Joe Biden been there? Has Joe Biden been to East Palestine, Ohio? No. Is he going to? Probably not. Probably He probably flew over it when he went to Ukraine. That week, Joe Biden, instead of talking about what's been happening in his own country where he is the president, he flies over to Ukraine to talk about a war and saying we'll be We'll, we'll help out with this war for as long as it takes. Yet in America, we have our own issues. Now, am I saying go full on isolationist? There's a case for it. But it's a really tone deaf look. If you're Joe Biden, the president of the United States and national media finally, finally by mid to late February started covering this story and then it took Donald Trump for political reasons sure but for him to go out to east palestine give a speech buy everyone mcdonald's hand out hand out trump water was very smart and pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary who by the way is gay i don't know if you know that that's why he has the job pete Buttigieg ended up going there only because donald trump went there only was the only reason he was there because if trump didn't go i i'd be hard pressed to think that pete Buttigieg would mm, not nah, didn't really care I, I wouldn't think he would go but it, using gen z vernacular trump cucked him he was a cuckold and he's like all right well i guess we're gonna have to go there you think pete Buttigieg? you think joe biden or any of these Beltway elites want to go to eat. I mean, East Palestine, it's like ugh, their water probably tastes like eggs anyways, pre-rail disaster and bunch of backwards, hillbilly, bitter clinger, deplorables, racist probably. They probably hate trans folk and this and that. Why do I, and they didn't get vaccinated? Why would I care about a town that doesn't think, isn't abiding by us, like doesn't trans the kids and is chemically castrating them. Well, why, why, I mean, they have churches still there. How dare they worship? How dare, dare they worship something other than the state? So F them, screw them. We don't want to be around that. We don't care. So Trump goes there and people to judge that. And then Joe Biden isn't there. And he won't go there because it's all pure politics. Now, how is it pure politics? Well, we've kind of found out that it became pure politics. So here's Benny Johnson. He ended up speaking with a Department of Transportation whistleblower that basically said, uh, yeah, the reason that Pete Buttigieg did not really go there in the first place in early February when the rail disaster happened or in other places there, there, there have been some disruptions and train derailments is because of an allocation of resources based solely on politics. So check out this video. This came out late last week, but I wanted to absolutely mention it for this podcast. I'm now on a project with him without money. Yeah. We're supposed to be subjective or objective. Mm -hmm. They'll step in. Well, we want this project because it's, it's, it's a you know, blue state. Oh, so no matter how bad it is, so they appoint these leaders of each group. And then they, they make sure the money be recommended. That's how it works. That it goes to a blue state, not a red state. 
Do you think this was politically motivated in East Palestine? Yeah. It was at this point that we couldn't believe our ears. The Department of Transportation allocates money based on red states or blue states that they straight up decided not to help East Palestine because of their political affiliation. This was a county, of course, that voted for Trump by 70%. So this was politically motivated. And you have that directly from inside of the building. How about that? How about that? So it's a leaker, a whistleblower, but the Department of Transportation said that, yeah, um, if East Palestine and Ohio went blue, we probably would have been there sooner. There would have been some kind of uh, crackdown on Norfolk Southern. and But because it's not, eh, well, they can, they can go bathe in brown water. It doesn't really matter to us. So if East Palestine were right outside of Washington, D.C. in like, say, Loudoun County, uh, something would have happened really quick and would have been fixed. Now, you could say, well, what about Flint? And what about uh, there was another place down in the south that uh, they can't drink the water still? Well, it ends up being very politically motivated in uh, it, depending on the election years. A lot of what happens that have that has popped up, a lot of what happens, you notice the biggest stories come from swing states. In 2020, there was a gentleman by the name of George Floyd. There was also a gentleman by the name of Ahmad Arbery. Now, why did the Ahmad Arbery story, which was, I would say, a little bit more egregious, depending on how you uh, how you looked at it. Why was that a not as big of a story as opposed to George Floyd? Why was George Floyd a bigger story? Well, one of them was in Georgia. But before uh, Georgia, even though now it's become blue, but it's more. Uh, I think it's just because it's the South. The Democrats really wanted, and the media, of course, are the propaganda wing of the Democrat Party, is that Minnesota is more of a purple state. They've seen what's been happening from Jesse Ventura to the uh, Ilhan Omars that have taken over the state. And people are very upset. They're leaving Minnesota. And it was a big lightning rod controversy right before an election, especially during COVID. That was what was going on in late May was, remember, stay home, stay safe, wear five masks and watch Tiger King. But then George Floyd goes and tries to pass off a counterfeit $20 bill and ends up getting arrested, was high on fentanyl and was dying anyways. And Derek Chauvin happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And now he's behind bars, but it sparked a time of riots in a purple state. And a lot of that helped swing some of those states blue because of it. So understand that the reason a lot of these stories end up popping up, especially during election years, is because they look at them as a purple state and it's up for grabs. So when you realize, why would a story like East Palestine be political? It shouldn't, but it became political. So what's the update right now? Why am I still talking about this? Well, the update is it kind of seems to me that uh, there's still some issues that are popping up. So this is kind of breaking news that has popped up this week. So again, we haven't talked much about East Palestine in several weeks because for whatever reason, I don't know, you know, is it political? Is it whatever? Or did we just move on? We're talking about the unfortunate trans shooting in Nashville. We're talking about Donald Trump and trying to get a mugshot out of him and being indicted in the Stormy Daniels thing. 
we have other things going on. We, you know, that was that was a story is like two months ago, whatever, big deal. No, it's not a big deal. So check out this story. Kind of seems to me that uh, there were bigger deals, that things that we weren't told at the time. Check out this. The CDC says earlier this month, federal workers actually got sick while they were surveying in East Palestine after that derailment. They showed symptoms similar to what other people have been talking about, fearing chemical exposure. Chris Hoffman went back to East Palestine today to talk to residents who are still dealing with the aftermath about the report. And for the people here, this just reinforces their distrust of some of the government officials. They say if those federal workers are getting sick, what's possibly being done to them? The CDC says it was on March 6th, more than a month after the train derailment when the workers got sick. They were in East Palestine assessing the chemical exposure. It's been a living nightmare. It has been pure hell. According to the CDC, seven people on the 15-person team reported symptoms, including sore throat, headache, coughing, and nausea. These are similar symptoms to what residents complained of in the chemical assessment surveys after the derailment. It's not getting better. It's not getting better at all. Those federal workers reported their symptoms to safety officers. Later that afternoon, the CDC says the symptoms resolved. They all resumed their work 24 hours later. They didn't appear to have any long-term issues. I do not trust anything that officials are telling us. Now, people living in East Palestine say if these workers got sick in the short time they were exposed, what does that mean for the residents living with this air every day? They don't trust the state and federal leaders saying the air is okay. I don't think any you know, of our, our government officials would want to be right here in Ground Zero. I mean, I think certainly you know, that Shaw wouldn't. <laughs> Four days, I couldn't quit coughing. The EPA in Norfolk Southern did not respond for comment today. But for the people here, they say they just want the truth. They're adults, and they say whatever it is, they can handle it. So East Palestine, Ohio. That's KDKA out of Pittsburgh. And how, how egregious is this? Half of this 15-person CDC team reported symptoms, including sore throats, mild headaches, coughing, and nausea. Oh, it sounds like COVID. Similar to the conditions documented by East Palestine locals after the toxic February 3rd derailment. Investigators who grew symptoms were part of a group conducting surveys and blah, blah, blah. Okay, they were fine within 24 hours and go back to work. So is that what it is? Is that what you're going to tell the people? You're going to tell the people? Yeah, just go back to work. It's okay. Hey, okay, you were sick for 24 hours. It's not that big of a deal. Look, look, we all get sick. We get the sniffles, right? This is sick what's going on in this country. It's a sickness. And the fact that this is going on, nobody is really talking about it anymore. I mean, yeah, like, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, whenever I heard people rip on the media for not covering East Palestine, it had to come, it was a caveat. Yes, national media largely ignored it because oh, I stay in a hotel. I got to go to some hillbilly, hick, racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, bigoted, probably hates trans and gays and this and this and this and this. Why do I have to be here in this town, this podunk, you know what hole? Again, I'm trying not to curse. Local media did a great job of covering it, and they still do. Like you saw KDK Pittsburgh and uh, Cleveland media, Wheeling media, Parkersburg. Because you think about where those streams, the, when this gets in the water, it's upstream. East Palestine is downstream from Youngstown and the Mahoning River, but it's also upstream from 
East Liverpool, Ohio, and it's upstream from three different states, very close, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and of course, Ohio. And the Ohio River is, depending on how you look at it, it's the second or third biggest river in the country, longest and biggest. I believe it's the third. I think it's like Missouri and Mississippi are one and two, and Ohio is number three. And the Ohio dumps out in Cairo, Illinois, down towards the into the Mississippi, which goes into the Gulf. So you're talking about a major player in this country. And those chemicals that went out there into that water that seeped in there. And our government is lying to us once again, because that's what governments do. They're liars. They are murderers in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm not accusing certain people, but uh, it seems that governments can be okay with um, rationing care and how, you know, depending on how people feel about certain things. It, the fact that that story goes up there and people go, oh, well, that stinks. And then they move on. They're talking about something else. This should still be the biggest story in the country. And the fact that there are people in a town and there's probably plenty of other examples of no one really caring about small town America. I am somebody that though I was raised in the suburbs of a not the biggest city in the country, but one of the biggest in my state outside of Cleveland, I have a lot of sympathy for people. I mean, I'm currently right now where I'm broadcasting. I have a lot of hotels and small businesses and large businesses and big box stores and everything in my area in one way. And then the other way is I could drive a couple of minutes and it's farmland. So I'm, I'm right there and I have a lot of sympathy for these people. So if you're somebody who's from that area, I really care about you. I care about you folks. I hope you find some kind of environmental justice, uh, some true justice. I hope that the water at some point and the uh, everything's going to be safe. But it's it's a shame that politicians and national media have moved on to talk about something else. They couldn't wait. I mean, the fact that they're covering the Trump indictment right now means that if they're not from New York, where they don't, they can go home at night and cook meals and feed their Yorkies and, uh, I don't know, complain on Twitter like they normally do. Or if they're not from there, they could stay at a really nice hotel in downtown Manhattan and cover this whole thing. But they don't want to stay in a quality inn in Columbiana, Ohio. They don't want to stay at a, at a clarion that's just across the border in Pittsburgh because it's a half hour drive and there's no hotels in East Palestine. They couldn't care less. And it's a shame because this should be one of the biggest stories in modern times. And that the fact that there are other train derailments that they're mentioning, like, oh, well, here's another one. Here we go again. It's unbelievable. So it's, it, oh, and by the way, the United States is pledging another $2.6 billion of weapons uh, for aid to Kiev in Ukraine. But again, East Palestine can't get the help. No, that's okay. Now you can fend for yourselves. This is America. We're sending we're sending pallets of cash over to Ukraine to fight in a proxy war that we're allegedly not fighting in. We're not sending troops. We're just we're sending some aid and everything's okay. We have our own country and people are suffering. And our politicians and in our media really couldn't care less. They, you know, they look at you with disdain. They always do. They look at you with disdain. They call you racist. And I mean, you're a basket full of deplorables. You're bitter clingers. 
you care about your gods and your God and guns and everything. And, you know, you care. And ultimately, there are way more East Palestines. This could happen to your town, too. And I guess the only way that something will work is if you have a uniparty that's behind you or if you have uh, if you're in a blue state in a blue city, you might get the help a little bit quicker than you would if you're in a red an increasingly red state like Ohio is used to be a purple swing state. But as we saw in kind of the last couple of elections, it's going pretty deep red. It's going crimson right now or scarlet, should I say, you know, that makes sense. Scarlet and gray in Ohio. Um, I feel for these people. And I think if anybody's in that area of the country, you should go visit, go talk to some of the residents, um, see what's going on. Cause as you saw in that clip there, People are afraid. They don't know where to turn. They don't know where to go. Where do we go? What do we do? We can't drink this. We can't. And they're getting essentially nobody that's going out to help them. Because it's political. It became political. This is a story that should not. This should have been the least political story. This should be one where it doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, independent, libertarian, communist, socialist, proud boy, Patriot Front, whatever, this should be one where it's a small community of people that it, this is affecting. And then we have a large community that gets behind them, no matter what your gender, sexuality, creed, whatever, ethnic background, doesn't matter. Instead, it became political and our coastal elites kind of just thumbed their nose. They pretended to care about it for three minutes, and then they went back to their Manhattan penthouse on the Upper West Side. It's a shame, but I'm doing this podcast because it's 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 a, it's crazy how our news cycle will switch that quickly. That basically by the time the calendar flipped to March 1st, we moved on. Something else was going on. Don't really care. Oh, the East Path. That's right. We did go there. That man, that was a, quite a trip. We expensed that. We had a great time. We brought those airplane bottles in the hotel room. That was so much fun. Yeah, no, it's a shame what happened, but you know. Thank God I don't live there. Ugh, gross town. Man, unreal. So I want to put this podcast that I, I care about towns like East Palestine. I care about a small town, even if the politicians and media do not. And I wanted to put a spotlight on it as we start to get more information that, again, that story is going to get virtually no clicks. They're going to say, oh, yeah. Like even even people who will say, yeah, typical of the government to lie to us. And then we move on because we're talking about Trump again or we're talking about something else in the culture war. And I'm not saying you can't talk about Trump and the culture war and school shootings and gun control or gun confiscation or whatever it is. But keep your eye on the ball and understand that things are being propaganda is a very, very delicate tool that they will use to try to come at you. And you have to figure out. Am I being manipulated right now? Or, you know, am I able to compartmentalize and try to figure out that, hey, wait a second. Remember that remember that town in eastern Ohio where the train derailed and that black cloud of smoke and there was chemicals that were in water supply and everything? And remember that town? Maybe we should uh, do a follow-up and try to figure out, or like, what's going on? Let's give these people the help they need. 
And it shouldn't matter if they're a red state, a blue state, a, a red town, a blue town, a red county, a blue county. It doesn't matter if they're fully vaccinated and boosted several times over or they said, no, I'm not getting vaccinated or wearing masks or social distancing. It, it That shouldn't matter. But they made it matter. So. But it is funny because I drove through the town and you want to talk about Trump country. It probably was Trump country before that anyways. And I did not see one Joe Biden. I saw let's go Brandon flags, but I did not see one Joe Biden Kamala Harris flag in that entire town, whether it's a sign in the front or a flag. Because at least somebody cared, and that's the reason that they embraced Trump when he came there, because they're like, look, it's Trump, it's Trump, uh, uh, his, his tweets and the, the divorces and Stormy Daniels and all this and grab him by the you know what the bus tape. Yeah, he's a pretty loathsome figure in a lot of ways. He's buffoonish in other ways, but at least he showed up because if he didn't, who else would? And again, I'm not trying to make it political, but it's uh, it became political. They made it political, so you kind of have to lean into that, right? I don't know. All right, well, I'm going to wrap up the podcast here. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this free version of the Check Your Brain podcast. More podcasts just like this on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. And find me on Locals at uh, Check Your Brain or uh, Tony Mazer. You look it up there. You get extra podcasts per week. And if you pay me more, I'll give you maybe another podcast or two per week for some bonus content. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. And uh, please subscribe and tell a friend. Tell five friends. If you enjoyed what you heard, say, hey, I heard this Tony Mazur guy. No, it's Mazur, M-A-Z-U-R. Nice Polish name, right before Dingus Day. Make sure you go check it out. And I appreciate, and even if you're not going to tell anybody, I do appreciate you folks for listening and watching this podcast, the Check Your Brain podcast, hosted by me, Tony Mazur. Check me out uh, for another free episode coming out next Wednesday. But the ones behind a paywall, you'll get one tomorrow. So thanks again, everybody. And take it easy. And uh, I don't know. I never know how to end these podcasts. <laughs> Don't trust anybody. How about that?